0: Hi folks, welcome to this week's edition of the Finance Hour. The topic of this week's show is the world of personal grooming. My guest is Leah Miller, the owner of Waxed, a waxing and tanning business with five salons in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. We learn how Leah built her business from scratch and the effort she put into systemizing the business before opening up multiple stores. In an industry where it is traditionally difficult to retain good people, Leah has managed to keep the majority of her staff for a long period. You'll also learn how the biggest challenge for Waxed has been sticking to their core specialty and resisting the temptation to drift into other services as many of her competitors have. You'll also learn about how Leah's business fits into her family life and how she manages to stay in touch but still switch off when on holidays. Of course, I have my usual segments, Ruben's rant, And don't forget to listen all the way to the end for Propeller Head of the Week. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon and welcome to the Finance Hour. This is the show where we make sense of the world of business and finance and hopefully help you make better financial decisions. My name is Ruben Zowa. I'm a financial planner and owner at Adapt Wealth Management. We're a boutique financial advice firm that work with business owners, Professionals and those planning for retirement. You can listen to our previous podcasts on iTunes. Just search the Finance Hour. Now, just a word of warning from our solicitors nothing that you can uh, hear today you should take as personal advice. You shouldn't go and open up any waxing salons as a result of what we're going to say today. Uh, but uh, if you do want to get advice, go to your accountant, go to your lawyer. Financial planner, or to the, your next door neighbour when he comes over for a beer. So, the guest on this week's show is Leah Miller. Leah is the owner and director of Waxed, a waxing and tanning studio which has grown to around five salons all around Melbourne. Leah's going to talk to us about the ups and downs of starting and expanding her business, managing everything from marketing, staff, leases, financials, and the way she makes decisions. So the topic of this week's show is the business of personal grooming. But before we get on to that, it is time for Ruben's Rant. Ruben's Rant! Now my rant this week is about the news that ASIC has cancelled an Australian financial service licensee called Dover. So just as a reminder, everyone who gives financial advice needs to be licensed and there are over 400 advisors who were licensed under Dover. They were not employed by them, but they ran their own business. Dover was in, was uh, called in front of the Royal Commission and they were asked about the way they supervise their advisors, but they were far from being the worst uh, offender there. But in the end, Dover and ASIC have gone with a nuclear option, which is basically deciding that their license will be cancelled almost effective immediately over a few weeks. So I think July 6th is when it ends. So what that means is that you've got 400 advisors, most of all who are running their own businesses, who all of a sudden now can no longer give advice. It's the worst possible timing. It's before 30 June and it leaves all these advisors and clients out in the lurch. Now what has to happen is all the advisors need to go and find themselves another Uh, licensee which is not a simple thing to do particularly at such short notice but that is what's happened now it's hard to know where we should apportion blame for this Uh, I don't actually know but I know that there were two parties involved and that was ASIC and Dover and between the two of them they should have come out with a much better outcome than this it's a terrible outcome for the advisors it's terrible for the clients and it's a bad look for the whole financial planning profession as a whole Okay, so that's my rant of the week. Uh, We're going to take a very short break, and then we'll be back uh, with Leah Miller. Hello, and welcome back to the Finance Hour. Today we are talking about the business of personal grooming. We have Leah Miller with us, who is the director of Waxed, which is a waxing and tanning uh, studio that which has clinics, not clinics, Salons. salons all around Melbourne. There are five of them. And uh, we're going to have a chat with Leah about her business and how she's grown it over the last number of years. Leah, thank you and welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Ruben. Great to be here.
0: Excellent. Now, Leah, uh, the first thing I'm going to ask you is I was just looking at your website, Mm -hmm. which is a very fantastic website. Thanks. And the website says, Seriously Waxing and Spray spray Tanning All Bodies. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, what's actually serious? About waxing and spray tanning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's very serious. I guess what's serious is feeling good about yourself. And that is the reason why we're around, because it's important to feel good about yourself. And part of that is um, sometimes removing the unwanted, which in <laughs> our situation is hair. Um, you know, it can be it can be uncomfortable to walk around a little bit hairy. So we're there to just make you feel good. So that's what's serious about it. It's serious to feel good about yourself.
0: Excellent. Now, Leah, we just want to hear a little bit about your background. I'm tipping that at university you didn't uh, do a course that specialised in waxing no, and uh, and spray tanning. No. So, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, yeah, maybe what you did at uni, what sure. your work was like, what got you to uh, to where you are today?
1: Sure. Well, not. I did. I did a completely unrelated um, degree at uni. Although in some ways, I guess it was related. I did um, more of a communications degree at uni. Um, and, um, but within that was a lot of, there were a lot of business elements, um, you know, PR, marketing, all of those things that sort of, um, are the, are what you need to run a business. So although, um, you know, I didn't do a direct business degree and I certainly didn't do a beauty, um, diploma or anything like that. Um, that's what I started at uni. Um, and then after uni, I went on to work in the communications industry. yeah, um, I did event management and I worked in PR okay. both for um, government and private as well.
0: Okay, excellent. Yep. So then um so you worked as an employee for a number of years, mm-hmm. like and and what uh, and I should also say you were, Born and bred in Brisbane? Yes. Yeah. So, did you come to work in Melbourne, or yes, you, that's where I you did. said you started your career mm. here in Melbourne? I did,
1: yeah.
0: And met your lovely husband, Davin? Yep. Do you a shout right. out to Davin?
1: <laughs> hey, Dav.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think Davin wants to be on the show at one point, but he's going to have to do something interesting to get on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you started your career here in Melbourne. So, yeah. how long were you working as an employee here? Uh,
1: that is a good question. I. Um, about five years, I would say. Yes. Yep. And I worked mostly in, um, state government, Department of Infrastructure, Public Affairs. Right. So absolutely nothing to do with the beauty industry whatsoever.
0: Right. Is that, so so was that a little bit like Utopia, the show? Like working in the government?
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, totally. (laughs) No, no, it was, um, actually not what I wanted to do. Um, although I did learn a lot.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. So I worked t- with
1: some very interesting people.
0: Politicians? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. good. Um, okay. So then, so tell me. So what was uh, like? How did you make the leap from like working in government to you know opening a mm. a waxing and tanning salon?
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't go out looking for a waxing and tanning business. That's for sure. I went out looking um, at a lot of different industries and trying to find. Um, a gap in an industry where I thought I could specialize. Yeah, um, I did know I wanted to be in a service-related industry, mm-hmm. um, but um, not necessarily beauty. I've never mm-hmm. been particularly into beauty mm. um, or the beauty industry, but I I am now clearly, mm. and I'm um, and I think it's a great industry. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I went out looking. Um, Looking to start a business, not mm-hmm. to buy a business, yeah, and looking to um, start a service-related business that I could focus on, on customer service and mm. um, and dealing with people.
0: Right, but it was never anything like prof- that. Were you even contemplating professional services or,
1: or... um, in what what? Do you well, yeah, I
0: don't know. Obviously, you weren't looking to go out there and be an accountant or
1: no, a, no, or, or you know, <laughs> be a
0: consultant in uh, no. you know, communications no. or anything like that.
1: No, I was actually looking for. I, I actually. Um, When I went out um, and decided I wanted to get out of the communications industry and into a business, I sort of created a list of criteria for myself Mm -hmm. Um, and um, one of those criteria was that I wanted a business that I knew I didn't have to work in.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. You're not going to say working on the business instead of working in the business, No, I'm just going to say (laughs) I didn't want to work
1: in the business. I didn't want the business to rely on me. Okay. Yes. And
0: well, I suppose that's a pretty good criteria for actually yes. having a business. So the first, uh, the first salon, did you actually buy that or no. the business? No. Or you opened it from scratch?
1: I did. I had a business partner at first, okay. I should mention. Yes. Um, I actually want
0: to talk to you a bit about yes, that. Yes. Yeah. I, he- I want to hear about the trials and tribulations, and, mm. but we'll get on to that soon. Yeah. But, um, So you had a business partner to so, start with and you mm-hmm. and you opened a salon, did we you? We
1: opened it from scratch. Yes. Okay. Two girls with no beauty experience. Yeah, no beauty yeah. and no real business experience. No or... real business experience. Wow. Yeah. So
0: where did you uh, where did you open the first shop? Where did you Elstonwick. Elstonwick. And you just mm. happened to fa- find location and
1: um, we th- yeah well we did our research on the location yeah yep. um, we looked at the demographic we looked at um, we wanted to be at the quiet end of a busy street we had yep. we had things we were looking for um, so we didn't just walk past the shop and go hey that'll do yeah yeah <laughs> we we thought we thought it through um, it was an absolute um, you know it was a mess the shop so we yeah. really had to um, we had to gut it out and build it.
0: Wow! And did you have to go and get? We didn't really. (laughs) Oh no! No. (laughs) And did you have to go and get finance or anything, Uh, or or were you able to? Well,
1: that's the beauty of this business. We we also that was one of the criteria. I wanted a business that had a really low startup cost. Right. Um, because I didn't. Um, I knew that. I mean, there's always risk to starting a business, but I wanted a fairly low risk.
0: Right. So you didn't. want, But I would have thought still fitting out a salon wouldn't be cheap.
1: Um, it's not it's and, I wouldn't say it's cheap, but it's not um it's not crazy. It's not
0: outrageous. No, and also yeah. the
1: setup of a beauty salon is fairly basic, you know, right. it's walls and floors and sinks and really right. you know,
0: and I guess you're not, not too fancy. I suppose spray tanning or it's not like you need any real serious equipment. No, no
1: just a nope, you're right. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: so I suppose that would help. yeah, okay, so, you went and got this lease. What? You, how? How long? Like, how long? Did, how long was the lease that you got? Just for argument sake, like, how long did you? Yeah. D- was, expect to be in this. Yeah,
1: floor? that's a a good question. So at first we were a bit afraid, so we tried for a really um, short lease, <laughs> uh, but we didn't get it. So we got. Uh, it's not, it wasn't too bad though. It was a three by three by three. Okay. And um and so we took all of all of that into account and thought, well, you know, we'll give it a go. And yeah. I think that most businesses you can't. Um, you know, you need to give it at least 12 months and you'd like to think three years before yeah. you know whether or not it's going to be yeah. okay.
0: Yeah. Okay, so, uh, and then when you started it, were mm. you actually work? I mean, I know you said you didn't want to work in uh, yes. it but were you working in it to start Yes, with? absolutely. You would have had to, yeah. Yeah,
1: so for the first five years. Um, five years? I think so. I think it was about five years. Um, I worked in the business. So you were Um, actually on the tools? I wasn't... No, I was never on the tools. No, no. No, no, no. I never... I'm not a beauty therapist. We, um, you know, we only employed really professional, experienced people. Yeah. Um... I did once try and wax my sister, but that was a disaster. So <laughs> no, no, no. I never, oh, so never actually, I never actually performed no. any of the treatments. Right. Um, I worked on reception and oh, wow. um, took the appointments, and um, but it was really good. I couldn't have, I couldn't have continued my business without doing that because yeah. I really learned a lot about staff and the business and everything. Right. So, so, so
0: start from scratch. Mm. You uh, you hired. Um, Therapists to come in and do the work. Yeah, from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I remember the first interview very, very well. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we we I we had one employee to begin with.
0: Yeah, Uh, apart from the two of you.
1: Apart from the two of us.
0: So how long did you? How long were you just in the one?
1: In the one salon, not long actually. Um, I think only um about 15 or 16 months and yeah. then um and then we got our second salon in yeah. Bentley.
0: So were yeah. you by the time you went to start the second one were you pretty confident that you had you knew you had the model worked out?
1: Um well um yeah, we definitely had the model worked out. We were still working on certain things, but we were um We were sort of at capacity we became very busy very quickly which was really good um to create the second salon we had to ensure that we had all of our policies and procedures and Mm. systems and processes in place and so um we created all of that over time and that's why it was really good to work Mm. work in the salon on reception Mm. because i could really get an understanding for what the policies and procedures and systems and processes had to be you can buy all of those things online now. All of the policies yeah. and procedures for any different type of industry, yeah. but it's really good to create it yourself, um, so um, well, that it's, it's specifically y- designed for your own business.
0: Actually, that just uh, raised an interesting question because obviously some people go into franchises, and mm. that's where you know it's like a turnkey operation. They get that already are there uh franchises in the yes in in your industry Mm, yes
1: very much so and Um, is that something you
0: ever considered
1: uh yeah yeah i did consider it but um but there's lots of risks also with Mm. um with especially in the service industry i think and in beauty because um or maybe i'm just a control freak it could be that as well um there's no reason why um there was no reason why I couldn't continue to open company-owned salons yeah. because of the um the way in which I set up the business. Yeah. So there was no reason for me to no. franchise. Um I I could I, I mean Oh it's, sorry, it's I wasn't talking about
0: you actually franchising. I was talking about you uh being is it a franchisee or a franchisor when you started, I'm yes. saying, rather than starting your own oh, thing. Oh, why didn't I what, do that? Yeah, did you consider actually yourself being part of a franchise no no nah. okay. no
1: but there were fran- there there are right. some franchises right
0: and and why didn't you consider did that so you just didn't then. you're too independent oh uh, yeah i didn't yeah. think
1: i i i didn't want to i didn't really want to run by someone else's rules i'd like yeah. you know when you can just create it yeah. yourself and yeah. also they're really you know it would have cost me a lot more when i had my first time to buy a franchise buy and it did to set up yeah
0: yeah. yeah. So so you set up policies and procedures. Did you have like a, a framework for how you set that up or did you just,
1: um, just start with
0: a blank sheet of paper and say <laughs> someone comes in?
1: No, no. Um, uh, no, we, sort, we did have a framework. We asked around and saw what other people were doing. So we sort mm-hmm. of had an idea of how we wanted to write our systems and processes. But, yeah, yeah we did actually we, – we did – write it ourselves mm. yeah and, and then, it took a really long time yeah would it? but but yeah. also
0: i mean there's one thing writing systems and processes and there's the other thing actually you know putting them into mm-hmm. practice and mm-hmm. sometimes you need sort of good systems i don't know whether it's it systems or something mm-hmm. to make sure it actually gets used how do you mm. how do you make sure that what you've written actually gets used not not forgotten
1: yeah or, so we um we actually wrote our systems and processes in different um for different areas of the business. Yeah. So um, so we wrote one for management. We wrote one for ourselves as directors. Mm. Um, we wrote one for staff. And then we, again, sort of – Took that apart and wrote a day-to-day one, and so that the staff could really just focus on what they needed to at the time. Mm. They didn't have to read a three hundred-page document, right? um, Because otherwise, it would just go in one ear and out the other. Yeah, and so
0: that was, I guess, really good for for when you're on board staff, like you. Yeah. So
1: we also we wrote an induction one as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. um, Yeah just so wow. that we could ensure that everyone was on the same page all the time.
0: Yeah. So the second uh, salon, and so then you're moving to a point where you said until that point you were working like reception, working in mm-hmm. the first one. Mm-hmm. So then it's a big leap, I suppose, to open one where you're not there, although you had a partner. Did you sort of split your time?
1: Um, one um, each? Yeah, we, we, do. we did. We had um, specific roles that we were fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, But, no, we we definitely shared. We actually shared most things, to tell you the Mm. truth. Um, So we went and we set up the salon. One of us would be on reception. We'd sort of swap and change all the time so that we were both over the whole project. Um, And then um, slowly but surely we got management in so that we could ensure that somebody was looking after Mm -hmm after things, and um, we set up the second salon in very much the same way as the first salon, yeah. so our staff could work across either salon and there were no surprises. Okay.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, so uh, do you were there s- any serious growing pains going from one to two? Or, you know, it's um, like when you have kids, like yeah. going one to two is like a big leap? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, the IT infrastructure is, it has always been yeah. the biggest pain.
0: The biggest challenge, yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. Um, salon software just trying to work out um, yeah how all of that was going to work so that we could mm. see everything from Elstonwick Elstonwick um, remained our reception area mm-hmm. and so um, the next salon didn't have reception so all calls right. were taken in the Elstonwick salon
0: uh, and all bookings went through there yep. as well yeah yep, exactly yep. and now that you've grown to and then and then over what time, f- so you, over what time frame did you then grow from sort of two to five? I'm not mm. going to go blow by blow for no, each one of them. <laughs> it might get a little bit boring. No, but but what was boring. the sort of time frame in terms of in terms of you know just the the next the whole expansion of it?
1: Um, so well, it's been 13 years now. Okay. And um, yeah, and we're five salons later. Right. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Yep. Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit then about uh, managing staff. Yeah. So I imagine the sort of staff you have. In that kind of business uh, I don't know People part time Is it quite a mm. A transitory sort of stuff That mm. people come and go or? Um,
1: We're actually pretty lucky Yeah um, We retain our staff Really well Yeah um, We do that by looking after them Very well Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, My staff mean a lot to me They're They're um, They're really amazing Actually mm. um, And I always make sure That I employ staff um, Based on their skill um, Their personality And And their customer mm-hmm. service As well Yeah Um, so yeah, the industry is definitely known for, um, people coming and going and high Mm. turnover of staff, Mm. but we're pretty lucky. Um, most of my staff work, I don't know, between 30 and 40 hours a week. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. And depending on what they want, it's very much just what they want. Yeah. And
0: is it a, you know, staff like that, do they require a lot of management? Do they each year need sort of, you know, performance management and all that stuff? Or do they just come in and do their job and...
1: Well, I do. Um, I have a training program for them. So mm-hmm. even if they've been a beauty therapist for many, many years, I will still run them through my program to mm-hmm. make sure that they understand um, my business and mm-hmm. how I want it to to be perceived. Um, so they, I run them through customer service training, mm-hmm. and um, they also. One of my staff is a trainer in beauty. So oh, okay. even though they're all very well experienced when they come on board. Um I still like to give them all the exact same training to make mm. sure that they are doing things in the waxed way mm.
0: of yeah. doing things. Yeah. Uh, are there any male staff?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I have had a couple of guys apply for jobs. Yeah. Um
0: but I imagine They lot- haven't
1: been successful, no. unfortunately.
0: But I imagine yeah. a fair um yeah, a fair chunk of your customers would be guys. Uh
1: or yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a but but
0: they certainly don't want guys doing their
1: um, <laughs> the work on them, <laughs> treating them. No, I don't know that. Um, I don't know, maybe I could be proven wrong, but I'm not sure that the female clientele would be as comfortable. Maybe,
0: oh, no, this I female, cl- I'm just wondering about the male oh, clientele. The male clientele. The male- <laughs> anyway, we've probably <laughs> we won't go uh, there. Let's no, not go no, there. No, not no, no, no. Okay, so, um, now I noticed your sound they're all in a very similar area, yes. really, aren't they? Like, they're on Elston Week, mm-hmm. Windsor. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, how come you've stayed so close in that area? And I would have thought. Couldn't if someone was going to go to Windsor, why wouldn't they just go to Balaclava or yeah, something? Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. That's <laughs> the beauty of it. There's choice. Um, well, I, so every time I opened a salon, it was when one, uh, you know, all the other salons were at capacity. So mm. you know, and people don't want to go very much further. So, um, and when you want a wax, you want a wax. You don't want to have to really wait around. You just need it done. Mm. Um, so it allows people to go to any salon. They know they're going to um, get the same service. They know right. they're going to – it looks the same, it feels the same, it is the same, it's as professional, it's as right. hygienic, all those things. So,
0: so people will interchange between one and the other depending all where the they get All the time, yeah. And, and out of interest, why is that better than just having like one super salon? Like, um,
1: like... Yeah, uh, it's a good question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've got a whole lot of more well, issues it does. getting does. I
1: tell you why it does because um, people can – People can swap and change, but
0: mm. also
1: there are people within, you know, Bentley, the Bentley area and going further east that, you know, Bentley East and I don't know, um, and further along that will just go to Bentley. Mm. So every time I open New Salon, I'm getting a lot of new clients as well. Um, and right. the existing clients know they can, they can yeah. shop, you know, go around to any of the yeah. wax salons. And,
0: and just out of interest, in terms of the bookings, is there like a, is there like an online booking system? Yeah, there, there's online yeah, booking. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, okay. That's, um, yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, marketing and I guess, uh, to start with about like competition because, uh, as you say, yeah. if there are fairly low barriers to buy into or to start one of these business, businesses, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is there a lot of competition out there?
1: Uh, yep. Um, there is a lot of competition out there. The difference is, however, that, um, I don't necessarily consider other beauty salons as in day spas mm. competition. Yeah. Because they don't, Specialize. The reason why we decided to specialise was because um, beauty has a really, really large array of services that they offer. Yeah. And most of those services are wants and not needs, mm-hmm. whereas waxing is a need. Yes. And so we sort of extracted the need out of beauty and, um, and opened Waxed. Mm-hmm. So um, because we specialise in waxing and it's one of those things you just have to do or you just mm. want to do um, – or you just need to do, it, mm-hmm. I should say. Yeah. Um, um, I our our competitors aren't as large as those um, other, you know, beauty salons that are providing all of the beauty treatments. There's a lot more competition, I think, with that than there is when you pull something out and you specialise it. Specialize in yeah. So don't get me wrong, there are still plenty of competitors out there. Yeah. But um um I also think that our, our quirky way of marketing our business as, mm. you know, as a salon that is just for every single body, it doesn't matter mm. how big you are or small you are mm. or hairy you are or what color your skin is, we don't really care. Mm. We are mm. just there to do our job and, and that's it. So so
0: how do you give that marketing message across?
1: Yeah, well, when we started 13 years ago, we did the local papers. okay. <laughs> um, we might
0: just say we're happy to have fat, hairy people. No. Oh, those, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, saying...
1: I sort of, um, we sort of do, Do um, we, we are a bit like that. Yeah. We will say, you know, we will post a picture of um, a really, really, um, hairy person and say, clearly haven't been to wax lately, right, right. you know, and we will use, um, we will use all sorts of, um, slightly inappropriate yeah, marketing techniques.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you do that marketing, uh, mainly on social media.
1: Now we do. Yeah. yeah. We do, um, social media marketing. We do email blasts to yeah. our existing customer yeah. database. Um, and yeah, we used to do the papers and we used to do, um, physical mail drops into mail yeah, boxes and all yeah. those things, but things have just changed you just so don't much. Need to do it's, that yeah. It's crazy how much it's changed. So, yeah. um, we used to do it all ourselves, but, um, um, and you know, I still come up with a lot of the concept stuff, but the world of social Media and mm. um, it's like whew, yeah. it's out of this, out of control. Well, I was going to so ask that really because know. I
0: actually did go into your LinkedIn profile. Oh, did you? And then? it was really, really uninspiring.
1: Oh uh, well, said, like lead Miller, I have... director
0: wax. That was basically it. <laughs> That's I think it because went... I,
1: I have never actually looked at LinkedIn. The
0: <laughs> um... <laughs> so LinkedIn is not where your LinkedIn is not my thing.
1: Out. No, um, no, and my customers hang out on Instagram. Yeah, and on Facebook. Um, and Snapchat and all those other things. Yeah. Um, to tell you the truth, um, I haven't really kept up with the social media marketing personally. So yeah. I've had I've outsourced it. I've realised my yep. my weakness, and um, mm. I have outsourced that because there are people who do a much better job than me.
0: And how do you actually measure how effective that is? I think mm. you told me you, you it was only a few months ago that you you outsourced that, didn't you?
1: Yes, that is correct. Um, so I measure it. Um. Well, you can measure it by how many likes you're getting and yeah. how much um, interaction you're getting. Yeah. Um, but also, if I'm to do a special of some sort, or a, you know, a half price this or a thirty dollar Brazilian or whatever I might do, I um, I you you know, you can pop codes on things, and that mm. therefore you can see how many people are coming in based on seeing you know mm. from that ad rather than anything else. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I guess it's quite. It is hard. To measure, but there are there are plenty of stats you can you can pull off um, yeah. social media. So do
0: you track quite closely where your customers are coming from?
1: Uh, yep. Well, new customers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. And what they have to yeah. fill out a form when yes. they come in or something. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And what's the most what's the most likely um, source of them coming from? Is it referral from other people or
1: actually it's a it's a really a big combination of things. Um, lots of word of mouth, which is great. Mm. Mm.
0: Um,
1: lots of um. Walking, but you know, just walking down the street and seeing yeah. those salons, um, and um, and some through social media and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The problem with social media ab- um, advertising is it's not always um, as directed as you want it to be. Mm. So you know, we're very much a local business. So you want the local people because people mm. aren't going to travel, you know, from yeah. too far away to yeah. to a beauty salon.
0: Yeah. But on things like Facebook you actually can target specific now you can. local yep. areas. Yeah. Yep, yeah. You can. So I guess also the the benefit I imagine you've got in a business like yours is that I don't know, hair grows back. People yeah. need to keep coming back, tans fade. That's correct. So I guess that's yeah. a massive advantage. Yep. You know, that's, compared to like other right. businesses where you might just need some one off
1: mm-hmm. work done. So all of our services are um our services that you need to to mm. rebook which is which is really good so now yeah. we also do lash extensions as well and the reason why we chose to do um, to add another service um is and or add that service i should say is because it's got that same philosophy that you you have a wax mm. and four weeks later you have another wax mm. and it's the same with lashes and it's the same with tanning they're all things that need need, continual, need, to be, yeah. need to be constantly done yeah exactly so that's that's part of what we do
0: Terrific. Okay, well, I want to just go back to something that we touched on before Mm -hmm. in that you initially started uh, with a a business partner. Yes. And then that changed at some point. Yes. So what was the, you know, what was at what point did that change? Was it after you already had all the salons? Uh, No, no. Partway through the growth?
1: Yes, partway through the growth. Um, What was the
0: catalyst for the change?
1: um, It was simply that my business partner who I really, we had the best partnership anyone yeah. could ever ask for. Yeah. We were very, very, very lucky and we worked incredibly well together. Um, She just, she wanted a change. Yeah. And so we had two options. One was that we sold the whole business mm-hmm. or one was that I bought, I bought the business off her.
0: Yeah. And was that difficult?
1: Um, um It wasn't difficult because um, we'd been already working together for close to 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Um. So that was difficult. It was difficult not to work with her anymore, yeah. but it wasn't, the change wasn't so difficult. Uh, I yeah. thought I was actually very lucky because our business was at a point where we were, um, where it was running quite smoothly, mm. pardon the pun. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it, yeah, so I, it was a fairly easy transition. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you didn't have like, you didn't have to get into any sort of arguments or anything. No, about, believe it or not. Wow, it was. That's awesome.
1: Unbelievable. That's yeah. That's so good. Yeah, it yeah,
0: really was yeah. so good. And uh now just sort of being just you on your own, you, like, mm-hmm. is that do you find that easier in terms of just making decisions and the like that you don't have to yeah. consult with anyone else? Is it better from that point of view?
1: Yes, I suppose it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well that's what I wanted to um wanted to speak about as well, is that obviously being a, you know, you know, the sole owner and
1: mm-hmm. you know, with
0: a lot of sort of moving parts. Yes. Um, you know, there's issue is always sort of decision making yeah and maybe not having anyone to share that decisions with yeah it sounds like you've got quite a uh a thought through process in terms of how you manage the business and with yeah um with strategies and and, and manuals and all that kind of thing but mm. when it comes to making decisions do you have any kind of sort of process that you go through as well or is it just basically going off gut feel <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well um i am a big believer in gut feelings yeah um, yeah, um, yeah, so most of it now, and I think, as I know the business, like you said, I do, I feel like I know the business mm. very well. Um, so most of the decisions are a bit of a no brainer, but, mm-hmm. um, and the ones that get slightly bigger, I guess, I gut feeling than the really, really, really big ones. If I'm um, hesitant in any way or a little bit unsure, then I'll um, I'll run it by some of my fellow business friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's actually interesting in terms of uh, you said your fellow business friends. I mean, mm-hmm. do you have like another network, or is it just a loose network yeah. of people? Do you have you actually part of like a business owner? I have group a great.
1: Group that yeah. I hang out with. Um, there's there's just five of us. Yeah, or maybe there's six of us. Um, and we are a group of business owners, all in different industries. Yeah. Um, all with staff though. So that was sort of our criteria for that group. You had to have staff, and you had to have um, had to have, you know, a small business with staff, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and so we all get together once a month and we all talk about, um, any sort of issues that have arisen within any of our businesses and we all try and help each other out. And so, and also in between that time, if there's anything, then we'll also have a chat.
0: Yeah. And what sort of other businesses, what kind of other industries are they in? Also Um, into the service type?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mostly service type industries. Mm. Yes. All of them actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's
0: good. And you've also, um, like, do you? get much advice externally? Like, do you lean mm. on your accountant much or lawyer or anything like that? Like, is that, are those important relationships or they just do the uh, books at the end of the day?
1: Yeah. No, I would say that, um, they do the books at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah. I'm sure they would be there for me if I needed to. If them. you needed to. But yeah. yeah. And I do like, I, you know, I, I will call on them for advice if I yeah. really feel I need to, but, um, yeah. They're not part of my decision making. Not
0: part of your team. But, but then, in terms of obviously, there's there must be a fair bit in terms of the financials and bookkeeping mm-hmm. and mm, payroll and that I have, the, I all have that a stuff. bookkeeper.
1: So yeah. one thing I should I can say is that um, I, that I think is really important in business is to realise your strengths and weaknesses. Mm. Um, and a really good way to realize that is the in within those first 5 years i think mm. so um you know you're really trying to be the jack of all trades in the, in those first 5 years and i think that's when you really realize okay i that is um not my strength I, that's mm. stressing me out and the reason it's it's uh, it's stressing me out is because i'm not necessarily very good at it yeah. so i think to realize your strengths and, we- strengths and weaknesses is really really important and then eventually once you, your business is strong enough to realize that outsourcing that will eventually
0: mm.
1: um, be better, save mm. you money, point you in the right direction, all of those sorts of things. Mm. So yes, I outsource my bookkeeping, yeah. not my strength. Well,
0: it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because yeah, there's two ways of looking at it. One thing is when you've got sort of weaknesses, you look at, see, how can I mm. improve my skills in that yes. area? Yeah. Or the second thing is, is do you yeah. just you know, handball it really mm-hmm. quickly?
1: Yeah, and I think also even though you outsource, it's very important to still completely understand yes. what you're outsourcing. Yeah. Um. If you know, if I was to outsource my bookkeeping and just threw everything everything their way without actually realizing what I'm doing or looking at what I'm doing mm. or looking first at those invoices before I'm shooting them off to her, yeah. that would be a real problem because yeah. you lose control. But yeah. um. But, but yes, it's um. Yeah. So it's important to definitely have an understanding. Yeah. And um. But it's also important. To outsource to someone because eventually it will save you time and money.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at it uh, overall, well, first of all, are you like, are you looking to um, start any, open any new salons? I mean, this would be a fantastic (laughs) advertisement for it, wouldn't it?
1: Wouldn't it, (laughs) (laughs) Jess? Um, I'm hopefully, yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I don't, you know, every year I say to myself, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let it run. You know, I'm just gonna have a break from because it's you know it's there's a lot to opening another salon it's a real it's pretty huge um so yeah at the moment i'm in that phase of i'm just gonna let it go but then every time i say that i i i manage to open another salon or or create um a new service or or add something in some way yeah so yeah, it's not the so, end. So you are it's, thinking of how you
0: how you sort of improve things, and always thinking yeah. of how
1: to improve things. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess yeah, it was. You know, I was just thinking about this before, but when you talk about uh, you know alter you know alternatives and competition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is there are there sort of any kind of threats on the horizon? Do mm, we mm-hmm. do? I'd know people doing it themselves more, for example, like you know, um, buying no, the creams not, and all that stuff.
1: Not necessarily doing it them themselves. I mean, that's always been out there, always. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, look, there are other like, la- there's laser, which yeah. is um, another hair removal technique. Yeah. Um, and there'll be people that will do laser and there'll be people that won't do laser. Mm. You know, it's like any anything really but yeah there there are always always um threats to the service Mm. Uh, yeah laser would definitely be the biggest threat i suppose to waxing but it hasn't actually you know it's been around for quite a while yeah and it hasn't actually affected my business Mm. as yet so it may and and um you know i'll see i'll see Mm. when it gets to a point or if it gets to a point you know, I'll see what, what I should do next. Yeah.
0: yeah. So if the competition hasn't been such a big issue, what would you say the biggest challenges have been on the sort of path over the last thirteen years? What's been the yeah. hardest thing?
1: Um Yep, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um The hardest thing has been um uh Sticking to our core values, mm. which is making sure that we stick to our specialties mm. really it is tempting to mm. um, to sort of drift away from that. Um, but realizing that um, it's okay just to stick to your guns, be really good at what you do, and keep doing it rather than thinking that you're missing out on something by not offering something. yeah um, a lot of there were a couple of other um, waxing specialist places that began around the same time we did and they've all gone off and done other beauty services mm. as well. So that was challenging just to go, "Nah, we're going yeah, stick, stick to stick to it."
0: Yeah. Um, did you ever start doing something and then and then stop or not really?
1: Uh yes. Yep, we did. We've we've started a few things and yeah. they haven't worked out. Absolutely. Like yeah. everyone, you know, it, it would be really um it would be strange if you started a business and didn't have a few hiccups mm. along the way. I think, like when you try something and it doesn't mm. necessarily work out, but you certainly learn from it. And um, and yeah, sometimes less is more.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit then about uh, how you uh, you fit the business into your life in general, mm. because obviously you've got a couple of uh, young kids. Well, they're not so young anymore. No,
1: not anymore. You but- should give
0: a shout out to the Year Nine, yeah, boys and girls.
1: Hi. Hi, guys.
0: Um, <laughs> particularly to Strockers. Strockers is the biggest fan of this oh, show. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. All right, then. Yeah. But we'll say hello to Gil and Tari as well. Yeah. Um, hey, Taz. <laughs> but, yeah, so obviously we'll doing this for 13 years. I mean, mm. your kids are now age, what, 14 and...
1: And eleven. 10, 11 11? Yeah, nearly twelve. Right. Yep. So you
0: actually started this when they were really, really small. Yeah.
1: So Tari actually um turned one on the first day that I opened my salon. Oh, Really? Yeah. The, so we opened the door and she turned one on that very same day. So um yeah, I had my kids have been um in my salons all their life.
0: Oh really? In
1: fact they literally were almost living in the salon. That like I had a cot there, and uh, (laughs) they they were just part of it the whole time. So that's um, it's definitely been challenging. Mm. But in saying that, um, I do believe that um, when you're a busy person, you are that there's great things that come with it. You're more productive. Mm. Um, your mind is always on, so you're always thinking. You're Mm. moving forward. That's how I roll. I think being busy is how I how I. Yeah. Thrive. yeah.
0: But going back to what you were saying at the very start, which mm. is about wanting to, you know, not have to work in the business. Yeah. Um, but were in the early days, were there like 12, 18-hour days? Like was it ever that uh, bad or did you have a reasonable yep. balance from the start?
1: No, I did not. I don't think I had a regular balance from the start. I think I worked, um, you know, in the salon throughout through the day and then at night I'd be on my computer, you know, putting together whatever I needed to do, spreadsheets or yeah. Whatever was happening. Um, yeah, so that was really, I think I've forgotten a little bit about all that. Yeah. It, it's a little bit of a blur, I think. But yes, yeah, so I definitely, you know, we worked our butts off for the first five years, mm-hmm. most definitely. But it brought us to a great place because mm. um, now I feel like I have an incredibly flexible work situation. Mm. Um, it helps also that I love what I do. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't seem like I'm working yeah. necessarily. Yeah. But um, work life balance is. Um, um, is what you make of it you've mm. got to you've got to make your business and that was again one of my criteria right mm. from the beginning you have to make your business um, work to how you want it you've got to work hard you do mm. but you've mm. also got to realize that you've got to have a life yeah so um, so I do um, I do think that it's that you can do that. I do. You just have to set it up. You just got to set it up to, to work for you.
0: Yeah. And you don't have trouble sort of when you go out on holidays and things like that. Are you, you don't have to be like super connected to everything.
1: Well, so I, um, I am as far from a micromanager as you can get. Yeah. So I have real, I really do have faith in my staff and, um, and I do believe that I have a really good, um, good relationship with my staff and, um, and they're they're happy at work, and they work really hard, and they want they want to succeed and so um knowing that and all the systems and processes I've put in place, going on holidays is okay, yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong, it is still on my mind, you know work is always on on my mind, and mm. making sure that everything's everything's running smoothly, but I have remote access to everything, yeah, and um so it's doable.
0: So if it's uh, so, so tell me if it's running sort of well by itself to a large extent. Yeah. How do you spend your time then? Do you just float around between different? I just like sit on different... the deck and <laughs> drink. More, you know. Is it mainly cheese. putting out fires or um, is it?
1: Yeah. Um, it's mainly a lot of HR. Yeah. Yep. Um, lots of um, uh, you know interviewing, training. Mm. Um, Uh, yeah Um, um, I still you know I'm dealing with also the marketing still I do Mm. I still um, am in control of everything so even just coordinating all the external people takes Mm. a lot of time Mm. yeah
0: absolutely yeah
1: and scheduling lots of scheduling what scheduling staff and um, making sure that the salon is Mm. running at a back-to-back kind of appointment schedule
0: just uh, just on that one of the last questions I want to ask you is, is How has technology sort of helped the way you run things? How has it changed things over the last 13 years? Has it made a big impact?
1: Yeah, it's great. Well, online bookings, for example, um, is fantastic. We have about... uh, forty-three percent of our clients book online. Yeah, and which is amazing because it's allowed me to have that centralized reception area. That and just means um, less
0: less staffing requirements. Less
1: staff, exactly, and a more control. Yeah. Yeah, I can control the reception a lot mm. better. You know, they're taking calls for five salons. So, um, online bookings has been amazing. Um, and just for me, to have remote access, so I can work from anywhere, from home, whatever. Mm. You know, those sorts of technological that, advancements been has go- been excellent. Right. Yeah, but at the
0: end of the day, what and in terms of the actual. I don't know waxing technology,
1: and, and um, spray tan.
0: Like has that changed? No, really? no, not really. No, no, no it hasn't. No. Yeah. So you you're not you you are in, uh you're not really subject to potential threats from technology in your sort of game, really. Eh? I don't think so. Well, that is no. the
1: beauty of waxing. You can't do yeah, it online. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and then I'm going to come back for the uh, your three top tips for. Uh, Starting and scaling a business. All right. Welcome back to the Finance Hour, Leah. It's now time for the three top tips. Mm-hmm. So, I would like your uh, three top tips for starting and scaling a small business.
1: Okay. Um. So, I'll tip number one. I'll I'll use as starting a business with a business partner, and I would say um, that it's very very important to make sure that you're um, you've got the same vision. Um, And that you've got um, skills that work well together. I know this is actually three tips for the one tip. (laughs) But um, and also um, make sure right from um, the very beginning that you have a very transparent agreement so that you completely Mm. understand each other. That's that's yep. That's one point one point two point three yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> um, and what were the other? What was what was? So it was the
0: three top tips for yes. starting and scaling a ah oh, for, for scaling for yeah. scaling
1: small business. I would say my top tip is um to ensure that you are completely. Um, comfortable with the way your business is running before you scale up. So Mm. make sure that you do have all those systems and processes Mm. and policies and procedures in place so that when you scale up you're not making the same mistakes that you're currently making.
0: Excellent. Yes. And number three?
1: Number three was how to um, what was it? How to grow a business? Yeah, yeah. How to scale a small business. Small business. Um um i would say um my third tip is to ensure that you are confident and um even if you have to fake it till you make it make sure you're confident and ensure that you um, are are valuing um highly valuing your business so that people do the same so that they think yep absolutely have to go there
0: okay terrific Leah. thank you very much for your time today Uh, People to find out more about you, I guess they go to your website, waxed.com.au, is that it? Yeah, waxed.com.au
1: and loversofthelash.com.au. Lovers of the what? Lovers of the lash. Of the lash. So for all your waxing, tanning, and (laughs) eyelash extension needs. (laughs) Excellent.
0: Okay, well, thanks very much, uh, Leah. It was great to have you today on the show. It was great to
1: be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, uh, now it is time for uh, my last segment, which is my Propeller Head of the Week.
1: Propeller Head of the week.
0: Now the propeller head of the week this week is uh, continuing on the uh, concept of small business. One app which I use in my business which I find fantastic is called Receipt Bank. Now often in small business you're paying for certain things, you're getting receipts, invoices. What do you do with them? Do you stick them on one of those spiky things and hope someone scans them at one point? Well, what I use is this app called Receipt Bank where you actually can take a photo of the receipt or you can email it to your own unique address What they do then is they obviously scan it, uh, store it, and they'll even code it up for your bookkeeping. I use Xero, so it'll recognize if I sent my accounting bill, it'll recognize that that's an accountant. It'll put the right code in, the right GST, and then I submit it to my software. And then on my Xero software, and I'm sure it works for Myob as well, uh, it'll store that uh, along with the entry So it is a fantastic time saver and make sure that you've got all your things in place so you don't get in trouble for the tax man. Okay, well, thanks very much for tuning in this week. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. Uh, If you uh, are so inclined, please head over to my iTunes account, to the Finance Hour. Uh, Search the Finance Hour on iTunes and leave me a rate and review. That'll mean that I can get uh, access to a lot more people, um, which will be great for me and for them. And uh, otherwise, we will uh, catch up with you again next week. Thank you.